right, everyone. Welcome to episode 29 of your favorite podcast, Beers, Business, and Balls. This show is presented by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. And also brought to you in part by our friends at Dugout Creative. For the best concept merch on the market, go to dugoutcreative.com. 15% off your order if you use the code BBBPOD. It snowed up here in the Northeast this week. It was 32 degrees. I think it got down to 25 on Saturday night, so you need a hoodie. We've been told hoodies are coming out soon. In the meantime, get yourself a nice short-sleeve hoodie. Keep yourself warm. Dugoutcreative.com, promo code BBBPOD for 15% off anything in the store. Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo, we are joined by our good friend Ben and Allen. Hello, Ben. Hello, happy to be here. Thank you <laughs> very much for coming. Uh, we just spent a nice long football Sunday together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a great episode ahead our guest this week is Jess Kleinschmidt of NBC Sports. We had an awesome interview with her, Will. I thought it was great. Um, we talked baseball. And speaking of baseball, free agency's begun. We've got some qualifying offers extended. Next few days should be pretty telling for baseball. Yes, uh, qualifying offer is $18.9 million, I believe was the number that came out. Uh, so far we have George Springer, DJ, Bauer. Um, who else is on that list? Marcus Stroman. I think there was only six, but it's going to be a bloodbath of free agency. We're joined with Ben, like we mentioned. Uh, some good wins this week, Ben, for your bets. You want to tell us what you got? It was all right. Um, I had a, a, a very poor 1 o'clock um, and then just did some betting right before all the 4.30s and made most of my money back. Um, upset with the Saints. Um, I think they should not have given Will Lutz the kick. Fuck the um, Saints. <laughs> absolutely fuck the Saints. Um, I think they should have kept the ball in Drew Brees' hands. It is extremely selfish why I wanted that, um, but it would have been nice. Um, the Raiders-Browns not scoring more than 22 points, I thought was absolutely That was ridiculous. total horseshit. That was, that was insane. Did anyone factor in that there was going to be rain and wind and all that? I don't think we did. I think Vegas might have. That's uh, probably why they put the over-under at 42. And it, it went down. That might, that might make sense. It went down early this morning. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I thought that was ridiculous. But, that is I ridiculous. Mean, Overall, not a terrible week. I've had worse. We've had worse. We've we had, have we've had, had much worse, yeah, and worse. this week was pretty bad for me, too, but yeah. we'll get into that. Um, in the spirit of one-third of this podcast, the beers, let's rate some beer. So we start with a cheers. We are drinking to better days, hopefully, in the football uh, in the football scene in general. It was just a nightmare week eight, I think, for everybody. So, Will, what are you drinking? Yes, yeah, so we went to a few breweries in the Rhode Island Southern Mass community this past weekend. One of the stops, we hit Ra- a Ravenous Brewing Company in Cumberland, and I had their coffee milk stout, as any Rhode Islander would enjoy. Mm. Um, pretty good. It was creamy. It was sweet. Uh, it had a good blend of coffee from a local micro-roaster that they mentioned, and of course, just the, you know, the smoothness of that milk stout. I gave it a 375. Uh, Ravenous had a good variety of different beers. It was, it was a cool little spot, first time being there, but I enjoyed it. It is stout season coming into November, and yeah, I I think I think Ravenous pretty did pretty well. I mean, it's no treehouse, it's no long live, but they had some decent beers. Yeah, and Ravenous is weird. I, I couldn't tell what the vibe was. It's like almost in a little warehouse kind of deal, which most breweries are, but I mean, <laughs> the most it, random was, spots. it was so random. I felt like <laughs> we were there with your girlfriend Paige, of course, who just dipped on out of here. But she <laughs> she made a really good point yesterday, where it's like I feel like I'm just part of an inside joke, but have no idea what's going on. 
That's a uh, love, love that band. Thanks. <laughs> that was good. I got, I got a laugh. Yeah, it was like a lot of families around, a lot of dogs, and they they just seemed to be having like a good time and all in on something. And we're like, what the fuck are we missing? Not to take away. We weren't like, close enough to any dogs. I feel like. I that. guess so. There how were a lot you, of babies how can you in be too. Mad at a place with that. Has we're not dogs? mad. No, we're not mad. It seems like you're mad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. I'm the farthest thing from Matt. I enjoyed it. I just, I was missing something. We'll agree to disagree. Seems like a pretty Wow. Bad. I don't know. Getting flamed on my own show. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, we went to Skyrock right before that. And Skyrock, um, I didn't know. I think uh, we looked at the story on the wall. And the brewer literally just named it after their kids. We're like, is there a rock in Attleboro? But their kids are Skyler and Rocco or something. And they just combined them and named it Skyrock. Um, we had Ghost... IPA there. I thought it was the best beer that they had uh, on tap this weekend. I'm going to read you the description. Soft on the palate and the Vic's Secret hops through which that wonderful aroma that Vic's Secret is known for. Light on the bitterness, ghostly in color, so very spooky to have on Halloween. Uh, Ghost is a New England style IPA. I gave this a 375. Um, you know, I wouldn't rush back to Skyrock, to be totally honest with you. I thought it was good, uh, good environment, um, and they had decent beer. You know, I, they didn't have crappy beer. I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. So. And glizzies. They and they had, had glizzies, too. They were pumping out the glizzies. Yes, the glizzy we had goblins out there. glizzies yeah, and beer. And we were just so shocked because when they came over, they're like, here are your four hot dogs. We're like, we didn't order hot dogs, but I guess they just, with a beer, you had to get one. And they'll charge you for it. Yeah, well, they charge us. <laughs> it was $6 for the hot dogs. Don't dog. care if you ordered it. I, you paid for it. Yep. <laughs> so we've got to play by Charlie Baker's rules while we're in Massachusetts. Uh, 375, again, wouldn't rush back. If I saw it at a, uh, you know, on tap, I would probably get it at a restaurant, but... Um, that's Ghost. So, Ben, do you have any beers you want to bring up? Yeah, so uh, just uh, about 20 minutes ago, I opened up uh, a Pineapple India Pale Ale mm. um, from Foolproof Brewing. We all know and love Foolproof Brewing. Um, I'm not too much of a beer reviewer. Um, I'm more well-versed <laughs> in the business and the balls. Yeah, um, yeah, you are. But not much of a beer reviewer. It's good. If you're looking for something fruity, this ain't it. <laughs> um, not really too pineapple-y. Um, but it was, it was good. Not great. Um, I, on my scale, I'd probably give it a C. C's do get degrees. Um, okay. But it's nothing to write home to mama about, you no. know? Fair. fair. Yeah. Very fair. Very, it's, very, very I fair. think we might have talked about this a few weeks ago, too. It's not overwhelmingly pineapple-y, Exactly. Right? Yeah. If you're looking for something fruity. That like ain't I it. said, this ain't it, Chief. Mm. I called Chief. He said it ain't. <laughs> Sorry, What's guys. your so ideal beer for you? What's your if you have like a craft beer fridge full of anything? Like, yeah. what are you reaching for normally? The I mean, we got it last week at um, Malted Barley, the yeah. Bayes one. Oh yeah, that's like my go-to. So you're like I'm, a sour kind of guy. I am then. a sour guy completely. Oh, okay. Um, yep. In beer and in life, I'm always very sour. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always like the the fruity sour stuff so that rubeh is one that tastes like literally just straight hawaiian punch yeah that's, it did. Like, that's a go-to to me hawaiian punch with alcohol yeah that's exactly pretty damn good. it's just you can't go wrong yeah we were talking about on the show a couple of weeks ago by the time i showed up i was like i don't even know you guys anymore like it's monday at 7 p.m and you got i had a lot of catching up to do mm-hmm. so oh goodness gracious um Let's go to business now. Let's just get on with the show, uh, and then we'll go into our interview with Jess Kleinschmidt a little bit later. Two big, big acquisitions this week. Uh, the big one is Dunkin' Donuts has been acquired by Inspire Brands. It's $11.3 billion, too. We've been talking about this all weekend. Um, I'd always thought that Dunkin' Donuts was in the position to acquire another company, but 
The tables have turned on them. Uh, Inspire, for those that don't know, I had to research this a lot. They own Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, Sonic, Jimmy John's, and many others. There's over 11,000 restaurants across the nation. So this is going to be pretty cool, I think. I think Inspire, uh, it seems like they're missing that breakfast uh, and coffee, I guess. And obviously, they've got both of them. So this will be very interesting stuff. I think um, we're going to have to see if Duncan gets a nice financial boost after this. I know it's all debt, so they're buying most of their stock, which is really cool. Win for stockholders, too. So I think this is a, an overall big win for Duncan here. Yeah, Duncan's trading right now at around $99. Um, you know, they didn't take the biggest impact in the pandemic, but obviously the company itself had some, you know, outstanding debt. So this was a good deal if they wanted to just remove that and come out, come out clean. But, you know, it was definitely a surprise seeing that. I didn't really read into it prior saying that, oh, Duncan was on the market. And I think they might've just came up and, you know, made the offer and it was an offer they could not refuse, but it'll be interesting. I mean, my question is, will they you know, move their headquarters out of Canton, Mass. I don't think so because Duncan is such a large part of a New England community in general, um, being that close to everything whatsoever. But then you also made the good point of, you know, we always thought Duncan would be the one making the acquisitions. They acquired Dun uh, Baskin Robbins, yeah, um, which got them into that ice, ice cream industry. But who knows? I mean, this can only be, I guess, a positive with the amount of financial backing that Inspire has, especially owning, you know, Arby's isn't too big up in New England, but, right. you know, there might be some new Arby's in New England, which I would not be mad because where's the beef? <laughs> the beef is good. Well, who knows? Because that's kind of like, you look at a group like Sonic, and there was no Sonics in New England before, um, you know, they were, I guess, I don't know if Inspire bought them at any point or something like that. But Ben, you were an accounting guy. You don't do it anymore. No, uh, not. <laughs> but you are a numbers guy. What do you think? I mean, I was kind of thinking about this, too, because I was just like, I, I was in the same position as you. Like, I thought that Duncan would be in the place where they would be acquiring other stuff like they have before. Um, so I just think, it, 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 I hope that Inspire Brands doesn't really do anything to Duncan because I think Duncan is great the way it is. It's super easy and everything. I think coronavirus did hurt them a lot because they weren't allowing anybody like in location. Like I know the one that I normally go to, they uh, weren't allowing people in there for like pretty much April, May, and June, only drive through. Yeah. And I know that they did um, just like cut a deal with like Postmates or something. So I don't know if like that, it had anything to do with it, but um, it was a, a very interesting acquisition. Obviously, I didn't see it coming. Like I'm, I'm not, I wasn't like super well versed on like Duncan's financial statements or anything like that. But um, it's it's very interesting. I hope Inspire Brands doesn't really change too much about it. Maybe some better food and some better <laughs> some moisture some eggs. Some moisture moisture eggs. eggs. Some moisture <laughs> eggs. I think. Are you a fan of the Beyond Meat? No. Hell no, yeah. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? God. Does Ben look like at someone that would be in the beyond? Yeah, but he's a tattooed chef guy, which we'll get over in a bit. Oh, and God they are all it. about the beyond meat. Yeah, they are. Um, Does Arby's have beyond meat? Probably. Where's the beef, but beyond? <laughs> Where's the beef? <laughs> the beef Not here. Beyond. That's, that's <laughs> beyond beef. Yeah. Fuck that. It'll just be, instead of beyond meat, it's beyond beef. Yeah, <laughs> that's a not? huge. Uh, <laughs> fuck, that's so funny. We're going to have to pat in that one. Yeah, we, can someone get on that? That's why we need an intern. Um, another big ploy is that, that they're trying to do here, I think, is the 15 million customers that are already enrolled in Duncan's loyalty programs. I think that's honestly what they're after. Um, so they're going to target them with, you know, the, hey, if you spend XYZ at Duncan, you'll get, you know, your next um, big and toasty, whatever, freaking Sonic, the number four meal. You get yeah. that for free, right? Or you get... Uh, actually the number four meal. You know that. Uh, we, we just we went on Friday. We went on Friday. And I... 
figured it out. It's I usually on average per year go twice. Yeah, and that's yeah. all you really need to do. No, but you, if you go twice, you have to go after eight p.m. for the half price shakes. That's oh, the only fuck. acceptable time to go. We fucked up. Did we that went at way 7, yeah. too much in college. Going, Damn you gotta it. go after eight p.m. We did get yeah. I, I love Sonic. Really yeah, good. I I, that, I, I I don't like the food. If it's me, if really. I, if I'm in Smithfield. I'll go 300 feet down for a Taco Bell KFC. Yeah, yeah. Over that all day. But if it, but like obviously just like a quick shake or something like that, Sonic all day. Sonic just slaps. Like yeah, I really I did. had the mozzarella sticks. And yeah, those, they, those hit the spot. Yeah. But you made a good point though on the rewards program because I think Duncan's re- rewards program is kind of shitty. Yeah. You know, you get your birthday drink and then every like 150 points you get a free drink, which is fine, but... I'm not a big Starbucks person, but I'm so impressed with the people that have like the Starbucks gold card. Yeah. And like they get like free shit they get for life. So much shit. They get the products too. You know, they get like tumblers, they get bags of coffee, all that stuff. I don't know. I think that's a really good point. Um, yeah. What what else can people do that it's not just a free coffee when you spend like a hundred bucks, right? I think there's massive opportunity there. So we'll see. I hope I get some free coffee sometime soon. Another big acquisition uh, that we want to talk about is Morning Brew. For those of you that get um, you know, the Morning Brew over your email, you understand what we're talking about. But they got acquired by Business Insider, pretty much. Uh, it's going to be $75 million all cash. And this is from a guy that dropped out of school in Alex Lieberman. Or maybe he ended up getting his degree at Michigan. Um, now he's racking it in. Like He is a young CEO that was, it would have been a 2017 grad. And he's leading a $20 million company at this point. This came out of left field for me. I did not know Brew would get acquired, but again, big deal. Great product. I mean, I, I'm subscribed to them. I've been subscribed to them for a while. Uh, they you know a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast is you know directly correlated to their weekly and daily newsletters. Uh, like Jake said, I mean, did not expect them to get acquired, but this is a huge deal. I hope the you know the content still keeps going great. I hope the the the, the remaining nucleus that they have still remains there. I mean, seventy million dollars, like fuck yeah, you're twenty. What, what would that put him at? He's a twenty seventeen grad, twenty five. Yeah, he's like literally then, yeah. uh, close to our age. I like know good that. for him. He went to good Ross School of Business at Michigan. That's a phenomenal school. Um, and you look at the stats here, 2.5 million total subscribers. And then in like the Marketing Brew and Emerging Tech ones, they have 500K per newsletter. Their podcast is 6 million plays too, Business Casual. So, I mean, ultimately, it's a really, really good product that we're witnessing here. Um, this is probably an advertising ploy. This is probably for business ad, or business insider to get into the young market. You see with all these companies that are advertising, like look at the look at the products that are being advertised on podcasts now. You see like Manscaped is doing a shit ton of advertising, like Roman, all that stuff where they know they can reach like the stereotypical podcast listener, which is a younger male, which is between 20 and 30 years old. I mean, that's clearly what they're trying to do here. They're trying to break into that market and... Um, I mean, having insider's money is going to oh be huge. Oh, my God. Huge. No, there's 75 million bucks in the pocket. That's... It was a customer-based play completely. That's, Absolutely. That's, that's pretty much the main reason that like companies like that get acquired so young. Yeah. Customer-based. Yep. Much. And another big thing was email newsletters, too, are pretty much entirely dominated by Morning Brew. Like, if you're getting email news, you can set up Google Alerts and Yahoo and all that shit. But Morning Brew is like you put your email in and you're done. And you get relevant news. So, pretty cool stuff. Uh I'm really excited for this. Any comments, Ben? Or are you? 
I don't know really anything about Morning Brew. That you should position. do it. <laughs> um, I know about Business Insider, so great for the young man who now has $75 million. <laughs> it's incredible. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, we've been talking about these acquisitions, and I wrote a blog a few weeks ago about Spacktober, which unfortunately, you know, just completed. We're on to... Uh, Guess no, not November, but it's probably it's probably no no stock November. No, no because, November yeah. until my stock start going. Yeah, <laughs> liquidated no, November. Yeah, no <laughs> stock November because it's time to liquidate. Definitely not liquidate November. I yeah, I don't know if we now we might be that, too far in. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I'm so far in on a lot of them right now. Um, it, it 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 was hard. Um, I I mean, like Tattooed Chef just absolutely went so down after. Yeah, what the fuck, um, man? Frisker is now trading under like ten dollars. Where pre merger it was around like the. 16, 17, Lordstown hasn't, it hasn't been what it's supposed to is be. Is Lordstown with Diamond Peak? They're right? Lordstown with ride Diamond now. Peak, yeah. yeah. And then oh, okay. I have Ope's acquisition as well, which just um, extended their, their merger date. So that date's not going to happen for a lot longer now. Uh, I mean, it was a hard month. My, my stocks were so down this last month, but it, I, I was hoping that I could just turn them around quickly for an investment, kind of ride the hype that um, like you saw with Nicola, like the yeah. day of the merger, the day after went up to like 97, 96, 99, I think. Um, I was hoping that stuff like that would happen again, but it's not. So um, and now I'm just kind of thinking the long term. I think Tattoo Chef is by far the best long term one because um, they're just the most set up to succeed down the road. Um, I think they just need a lot more communication um, from like the, the corporate um, of Tattoo Chef to kind of like really amp amp up their their shareholders because that's kind of really what it's missing right now and i think lordstown motors is probably one of the best ev ones um long term joe um, burrow doing your marketing it's joe burrow doing your marketing can't knock big that. win new big yeah. win too mm-hmm. yeah and then uh workhorse as well it wasn't an s back but it's still kind of in that ev space but um they're looking um i, I think it should happen within the next couple of days from what i've read but um i think they should be getting a contract with usps to do all of their trucks now which yeah. should be pretty big for workhorse but I think long-term, um, Lordstown Motors is probably one of the best ones to keep investing in. I'm so about, I'm not about my Frisker stock right now. Mm. I did that literally just wanted to ride the hype and <laughs> get rid of that as quickly That's as That's the I definition could. of pump a dump. But. I know. I was trying to pump and dump that thing so hard. And then I, it just hit so far <laughs> down. I'm, just, I'm locked oh. in. I'm locked in. I always just think about the Sad. Charles Gambino song where he references a Frisker, and that's the only thing that's oh, like you. Which, which song is that? Um, it's, I don't even remember. I, I couldn't tell you. It might be 3005. It's something off that album. <laughs> oh, well. shit. That was a great album, album, too. It might be like World Star or something. It's something off that album where he references it, and that's the only thing that's oh, keeping me in the game right now. Do you have anything else in the market that's looking good right now, or are you kind of just holding off till post-election, wait till the COVID numbers fall down, or... Is there anything that you're kind of considering that might be a big win in the near future? No. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> no. The, there's, there's so much uncertainty with the election. Um, it, there's just, tech is up in the air. Like, it, pretty much any, like, material, like gold or mining, like, that's all up in the air. You don't know what Biden's going to do about that. I think Trump has a better plan with that. Um, but you don't know what Biden's going to do. Tech, you don't know what he, either one's going to do, obviously. And then just... This, the SPACs and everything. SPACs is pretty much what I invest in um, just because I think long-term they hold a little bit better, um, but they are just like super volatile, super risky at first, but um, there's pretty much nothing that <laughs> hey, man. that like, I'm like, oh my God, like, let's go. This stock <laughs> is great. Like, I have like just nothing. My that was us like, shit right now. 
Yeah, what you just said was our mood, like all of May, June, July. We're like, oh, every week we Same. had, holy shit, yeah. this stock is so great. I've and had tattoo chef since I think like May. You've had, you were an OG tattoo I was, chef. I'm guy. an OG tattoo chef. I have a lot. Formerly of FMCI. Formerly, I had a lot of Four merger, merger two. Yep. I was holding that. I was sitting on that. My average cost is down a lot. And now it's not worth shit. Yep, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're gonna have to buckle up and hold on for some of it. Uh, if you're if you're positive in anything, yeah. I'd probably get out it's now. Be a turbulent ride. It will. With that, talk about turbulent rides this week. NFL Week Eight. Um, mm-hmm. My God, what the fuck were like the ending to the, all the four o'clock games? Pretty much. In Seahawks Niners, you had Jimmy who just absolutely laid an egg. He might be hurt, and then Nick Mullins comes in for the fourth quarter. <laughs> He throws 250 a whole yards. Last game. A whole ass game in a quarter. <laughs> I don't get it. So that's one. And then you have the Saints and Bears going to overtime somehow. Um, and then the other one was the Broncos beating the Chargers. I don't know how much of America had that. I mean, ain't nobody care about those two teams. No, though. of course yeah. they don't. They <laughs> they ain't nobody care. They both like, suck. Yeah, I just lost a $250 parlay because the fucking Chargers don't know how to close out. Like, the Chargers are the AFC Falcons and cannot fucking finish. Oh. That is bullshit. But... It'll be interesting to see because I see you written down that you have the 49ers at a prote- as a oh, pretender. Oh, we're going to get there. <laughs> and, you know, the 49ers are one of those teams that they've hit the injury bug. You know, you're losing Nick Boza. You lost Solomon Thomas. You lose Richard Sherman, D. Ford, uh, Raheem Mozart. Garoppolo has not been, you know, fully healthy. Mm-hmm. Kittle left hurt. Kittle, Kittle left hurt. Yeah, his, his, that's a question. You know, the 49ers are a very good team. They have a good nucleus. They're not going to do shit this year, which is fine. And they are, part of it's because they're in a crowded division. And they're too, in a very crowded know? division. But you make a good point with Nick Mullins. He might be a trade target. He could be. Because who's their other backup? That's a really good point. Um, uh, Bethard. Bethard, yep. who yeah. last <laughs> year, Bethard, Bethard <laughs> I believe <laughs> last year, the year before when Garoppolo was hurt, he came in and had a nice little stretch, and he, everyone's he like, we're not going to trade him, he's a good backup, but now you have two very good backups on your team, you know, there's yeah. a lot of teams that could use a quarterback, i.e. the Cowboys, I know we're recording now, but we don't know what Ben DiNucci's going to Ben DiNucci, like. Ben DiNucci. right now for about 40-something yards. Oh my god, <laughs> I mean... If ben, the Cowboys win this game, I'm not watching the NFL anymore. No, I have no, I can't predict the NFL after this week. You I know, can't. The Pats aren't going to do shit, but Cam Newton's clearly not the answer. And like, you know, is Stidham and Hoyer going to be a ride or die number yeah. twos? I, I want to talk about the Patriots real quick too, because Cam Newton, although he's not the answer, right? But Bill has been very clear he's this year's answer. Right, he is this year's like, and not maybe the man to lead them to the playoffs, right? But at least to get them through like a year where they're awful. Right? They have no weapons. They have absolutely no weapon. James White, Demir Bird. You kidding me? I mean, the the running backs are good. You have Sony. You have Rex Burkhead. But I mean, it's like, what the fuck is? There's no one on that team. I mean, you know? no one expected the Pats to do well when everyone opted out of the yeah. beginning. You're losing yeah. a guy like Patrick Chung, and uh, you, you, you lost a lot of people in free agency. Hightower. Hightower sat out. Obviously, Brady was gone, but that's a, you know, a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton was a smart sign, as in, you know, it was all incentives-based. If he wins the AFC East, if he wins the division, if he wins, it goes to the playoffs, all of this stuff, you're going to pay him more and more. I don't, I'm not a Pats fan, but just looking at it, is it from a football fan – I don't know if Cam Newton is going to be a New England Patriot in 2021. I don't think many no. people have that answer, but it's looking more like no. Why don't you trade him and get some draft capital? Well, why, why not give Stib the ball right now? I mean, if Cam Newton keeps playing the way the way he has, which is horrible, so, it's horrendous. Yeah. It's like like 
ninth grade stuff he's putting out on the field Ex- right now. Exactly. I think, like, why not just give Stidham the ball? Like, because you don't really know what, what you're going to do long term. I'm just like, you're not going to get the number one overall pick. No. And so you're not going to get trouble. Not with the Jets in front of you. No yeah, way. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just, I, don't, I just don't. It's like, why not just give Stidham the chance to grow? Exactly. And if Stidham's not the answer, at least grow his stock. I mean, watch yeah. what they did with Ryan Mallett and Jimmy Garoppolo Castle. and Castle, Castle yep. and um, Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. They had a little taste. They showed some promise, and a team bit that up, and we're like, we want to trade for him. Yeah. And they, at yeah. least they get draft capital. I mean, you know, Belichick is a smart drafter, and, you know, the, the craft organization and the Patriots know how to, like, at least build talent around the team. If you're not going to, like, let Sidham grow and let him get that taste and build some – and, like, maybe build a market for him, trade, trade Cam Newton. There's a team that will yeah. give a fourth-round pick for Cam Newton I right like now. that. I like that. And here's the thing, too. I, I like what you brought up, Tondo. Um, if you're going to start Stidham or if you want to find out what he's made of, next week is your week to do it. You're playing the, the goddamn Jets. Yeah. And there's, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about what the fuck they're going to prove against the Jets that's going to lead to some personnel changes against the Ravens the week after. Because although the Ravens lost, I mean, they looked... Pretty good today. Lamar was shut down by the defense, but he still scored 24 points. Had a couple of nice touchdown passes. Um, that's a team that I am fucking terrified of in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers are obviously the clear favorites for that division now. Um, but now that the Browns have, like, took their foot off the gas, mm-hmm. you know, the Ravens will still be a playoff team. They're not going to have to worry about falling out of that second-place spot. But they're still a tough team, and I don't think the Patriots could beat them right now. No. Yeah, you that's know? no way. Um so with that, because we're talking about a lot of different stuff, let's let's zone into the contenders and pretenders like we did last week. Um, ranking all these good good teams and these bad good teams because there were a lot of teams last week that were like, oh, they're five and two. Oh shit, they're four and you know two or whatever. I don't even I can't even count what weeks there are and who has buys. But um, as you mentioned, I think my pretender is going to be the 49ers. Um, they had a – like, they demolished the Patriots a couple weeks ago, and everyone's like, holy shit, they're back. The, the Patriots just suck. Um, Jimmy is way too inconsistent this year. Like, regardless of if it was due to injuries or not, like, that's – a he's a liability right now. I don't think he's worth the, the couple of really good games that he has every year. And, again, he'll iron out all his struggles, I'm sure, because he's a good quarterback. Nick Mullins, you know, he's good. We just talked about it. We don't know what he's going to bring over the next couple of weeks. So. candidate, right? You think he's an MVP candidate, and maybe he is. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. I wouldn't put any money on it because I'd lose it. But um, the contenders for me, on teams we talked about last week, I really liked the Raiders. I like them again this week. I think their defense showed out against the Browns team that just dropped 37, again, albeit against the Bengals, um, that, that scores a lot is the bottom line. I think the Raiders can hang. I think they need to figure out how they're going to use their weapons, though. Jacobs is really good. Um, Waller did not do well today but i think he will do pretty good over the next few weeks and then they've got to figure out rugs and Aguilar too so I'll, i think the raiders can contend i'll put the raiders as a playoff team i don't consider them a contender no yeah let me rephrase uh make the playoffs right and playoffs. have a shot to win against whatever team that they like it won't be a blowout in my opinion yeah. unless they face the seahawks or something yeah you know? so my contender you know we're gonna, we're gonna take the chiefs off the board because the, yeah. and again they had they played against the jets they Mahomes had five touchdowns. It was, you know, we knew that was going to happen. They covered the spread, which we thought, you know, the Jets might have had a chance in the beginning. It was close. It was like (laughs) 14-9 at one point. It's like, oh, they might cover 19 and a half. Blowout. 
I think right now we can confidently say the Steelers are a contender. Oh, for sure. The Steelers. Well, well, last week we talked about you know contenders and pretenders. You know, you have your, you had like the Chiefs, then you have like the Ravens, Steelers, Bills, Titans. The Bills and Titans are pretenders. Yeah. yeah. The Bills. Those yeah. are my two teams now that. And I'm not going to say, I mean, the Ravens played very hard. They lost it at the end of four points, so I'm still going to put them up there. But the Bills and the Titans fell. Their, their stock is low right now. I mean, you, you put up 20 points to the Bengals, and they put up 31 against you. I know you lost your left tackle. I know you had some injuries. Um, but, I mean, that's just pitiful. And then the Bills, like, yeah, they just beat the Pats, but barely. They barely beat the Jets last week. I don't know who they play next week, but it's probably going to be a close game too. Like, Right now, the Steelers have put themselves above those two teams, and I think will end in the AFC Championships either against the Chiefs or the Ravens. Oh, just look. The Bills are playing the Seahawks next week. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's at home for I the mean, Bills, the Seahawks but... have negative defense. Yeah. So, because they, I still consider them a pretender in the NFC. So do the Patriots, though. The Patriots barely have any defense. And, I mean, they did put up 24 points. All right, let's, let's give them credit where it's due. But, I mean, Josh Allen has transformed from an MVP candidate to a middle-of-the-road guy these past two weeks. So I'm right with you. I think, and God forsake the Titans. Jesus Christ, that was embarrassing today. I got a hot take contender for you, too. Kind Go, of on that yes. Topic. So, yes. Uh, the Bills obviously have not been playing like they did the first, like, four or five weeks. Like, the last couple weeks. They didn't score a touchdown against the Jets. Like, <laughs> I can score a touchdown against the Jets. I would put money on that, yeah. Yeah, legit. It'd be, yeah, and so I think, honestly, I think a pretty good contender right now is the Dolphins. And I know that's a, a kind of a hot take, and I do have beef with the Dolphins for the way that they handled the Fitzpatrick situation. I don't think they should have been mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick um, just because he was playing so well. And, I mean, you saw two over one drive, and didn't do shit. Uh, but the fact that they pretty much – they beat the shit out of the, the Rams today, who, who are a good team. Like, they're a respectable team. Yeah, that score doesn't reflect what actually happened. It was a 28-17 game. Yeah, and I mean, the Dolphins scored that all in the first half. But yeah. the thing that, like, I, I'm looking at for them is that they scored a special teams touchdown. They scored a defensive touchdown. So, like, if they can win games against, like, decent teams like the Rams with Tua throwing for, like, 70-something yards. Yeah, he did 93 and, today. And really not doing anything, that's big for them. And I, I, and I, I think, like... I, I'm still completely against Tua even being in. I think Fitzpatrick should be in, and they'd be even more of a contender for me. But I think that's a team that like we haven't really thought about for the last couple of years because they've been absolute garbage. But I think that they're really starting to get their shit together now. Yeah, and after today, I mean, you made up a good point. I was going to mention how he only threw 93 yards. You know, it's his first game starting. He had the fumble uh, where Aaron Donald strip-sacked him, and that was just, like, <laughs> disrespectful. But I do agree. Like, Fitzmagic brought them to where they are right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the defense and the special teams did very, very well today. You had a punt return for a touchdown. Um, you, had an inter- you had a couple interceptions off Jared Goff. And the Rams are one of those teams where it's like, what the fuck are they? Yeah, are they insane? Are they, what are they deciding yeah. that they want to be? They have some of the best running backs in your fleet of running backs, wide I should receivers. say. They have good wide receivers. Cup is legit this year. Daryl Henderson is one of the best. No, I'm saying no, 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 so like the combination the, of the three of them and Acres, Brown, oh, okay. and Henderson means that they won't be able to. Basically, they're going to have their foot on the gas the entire time of a bunch of strong yeah. dudes that are going to carve people apart. A lot yeah. of other teams don't have that. Yeah. I don't think Daryl Henderson's one of the best. Right? <laughs> I mean, no. Like, what the hell are you talking about? No, 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 no. They have, but the point is they keep the defenses on their toes. Yeah. They keep the front seven relentlessly pushed, right? And they still fucking suck. Yeah. It's incredible. This game was a turning point, though, for both teams because this 
push the Rams farther back in that division, yeah. and that pushed the, the Dolphins higher up in them. I mean, they're second place right now in the, the AFC East, you mm-hmm. know, and there's three wildcard spots to be held. Yeah. Yep. The Rams, though, I mean, again, they're so frustrating because they have a phenomenal defense. They have the people like Donald and Ramsey and Robert Quinn. Sean yeah. McVay. Sean McVay is the best coaches, <laughs> and like, it's like every – like, what are you doing? You, you know, you, yeah. beat, you beat the shit out of the 49ers, and then you lay an egg against the, the yeah. Dolphins. So I think okay. a pretty hot take pretender right now. Uh, honestly, I think the, the Saints are pretty much pretenders. And I don't know if it's because Michael Thomas has been out most season, but they haven't really looked great lately. The Bears played like absolute shit today. Mm-hmm. And Kamara had a good game. Like Drew Brees did, had a pretty good game too, and they went to overtime. So I'm just like extremely confused on like what the hell is going on with the Saints. And like I think that um, I, I don't I don't I don't picture them as a playoff team if they keep playing the way they have. And I think they really do need Michael Thomas back to actually take them to the next level. And well, they're yeah. five and two. Yeah. And you That's know, Drew, Drew Brees, yeah. this is unfortunately probably Drew Brees' last year. Yeah. You know, I think he should walk away with his head held up high. If they win a Super Bowl or not, you know, you'd love to see him get another ring. But, you know, he just does not have the arm power. If they were not 5-2 and two right now, if they were, you know, 4-3 and three or, or under 500, I would say give Jameis Winston a shot. Because, I mean, yeah, he oh, threw 30 man. picks last year, but he threw 30 touchdowns. He has an arm, and he can run where Drew Brees right now does not have either. I think you have to only pull that out if Thomas, uh, if Thomas isn't back, though, right? Well, no. I mean, like, if the, if the Saints end the season at, like, 12-3 and three or 11-4 and four or whatever those numbers equate out to, you're going to ride with Drew Brees. Yeah, you're talking yeah. about if they start but sucking. If they right? start yeah. sucking. Yeah, okay. That, that's fair. Yeah. I, I don't see why not. If they are eliminated from playoff contention, I mean, do you – well, that offers another set of arguments because it's like – do you let him ride out into the sunset and finish it out, finish what he started, or do you give the other guy a shot? Maybe, maybe it's a mix of both, depending on how bad they are. But, I mean, you look at their all-purpose offensive yards, Kamara's got most of them. Yeah. Every single game, he's their leading rusher by far, obviously. And then, really weird, too, he's their leading receiver right now. Yeah. Like, he had nine receptions for 96 yards receiving today. Yeah, That's he had, absurd. Like, a lot of rushes too. Like, yeah, he had, like what eight or nine rushes? Yeah, Twelve carries. Twelve carries for sixty-seven. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, that's expected, like, that's obviously. A great game, but they still went to overtime. Yeah. with the trash-ass Bears, who were playing oh, awful. Like they, they looked were good bad. in the first half, but their offense and defense just got like they. I don't know what the hell happened to them at halftime, but they were terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Um, I think they're frauds. Frauds. Sue me. Yeah. Frauds. What else was crazy this week? I mean, the Broncos charge. I don't even want to talk about that game. 31-30. Um, Colts? Yeah, Colts dismantled the Lions. 41-21. I had the under in that game, and they it blew it away. Yeah. 62 points. So, Colts are back. Um, they looked like a like the best offense in the NFL today. They really did. Yeah, they looked Rivers like a well-oiled off. machine. He had three touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. And Rivers yeah. was a guy that we talk about like every week. Um, yeah, he actually finished with three touchdowns, but 23 for 33, 262. Um, who else did well? Well, I'm just shocked. Naeem Hines. Yeah, Naeem Hines I'm, I'm sick looking catch. at that, and the Colts are 5-2. and two. Yeah, yeah, the Colts are 5-2 The Colts have well. one of the best defenses in the league. The, Col- like, the Colts are 5-2, and two, and so are the Titans. Yeah. you got to put some respect on the Colts' name. Yeah. Well, I mean, when the Colts go against the Titans, and have they played each other yet this year? Why do I feel like they I have? they have. And I think the Titans I, Yeah, now we need to check this. Uh, they no, they have, no not. they have not. They play the Titans on the 12th. It's Thursday night football, so not the, not week 9, but week 10. 
they kicked that off in Tennessee. They have a tough schedule ahead. I'm seeing yeah. Ravens, Titans, Packers, Titans again, another division rival in the Texans. Oh, they have to play the Titans two wow. two times in three weeks. The Raiders and back to the Texans, Steelers, and then end with the Jags. I mean, is Philip Rivers elite? We'll find We're out. We're going to find out if he's we'll still – I mean, the Ravens is going to be a very, very telling matchup. Yeah. I'm going to stay away from that. I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know because Philip Rivers could come out – I don't know how well the Ravens' defense is going to D up all those running backs, too. Yeah. Like Jonathan Taylor. Naeem Hines came out of nowhere and had two receiving touchdowns today. Yeah. That's unheard of for him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, this week was mayhem, bottom line. Uh, did we forget any big games this week before we move on to the interview? Um, Steelers-Titans, if you want to talk about that. Uh, Steelers-Ravens, you mean? Yeah, I mean, Steelers-Ravens, 28-24. That was one where the Ravens were heavily favored by like what four and a half, five points yeah. in most the books. I couldn't they were. That, yeah. I didn't understand it either, though. I mean, you have the bar none. I think the best defense in the NFL with the Steelers. Yeah. There's other teams you can make the argument for. Um, they really did a good job of of ding up Lamar. I think they shut him down early, which I thought was the key. They got. A, I think they were up for most of the game. They too, rallied which, him early too. They got that. Pick yeah. six on, like the, on the Ravens' first drive of the game. Yeah, so the defense was great. I thought the offense was pretty good. Um, the Steelers just have that next man up mentality. In yeah, offense. they do. I mean, you know, week one they faced the Giants, and James Conner goes out, and I believe his name was Benny Snell, came in and rushed for 100 yards. <laughs> now you have, you know, everyone's like, Juju, Juju, Juju. And then it was like, no, actually, Claypool's the guy. Yeah. And now it's Deontay Johnson. So now you have, like, three people that Ben likes to throw to, plus Eric Ebron and a solid offensive line. I mean, no matter who it is, someone's going to be scoring a ton of points and racking up a, yacht, a lot of yards, and you just don't know. And that, that kind of makes it a fantasy nightmare, but they have a lot of weapons on top of that solid defense. I mean, they are, they are a team. I mean, that's why they're still undefeated. And they, they're not a fluky undefeated. Yeah, in the beginning they are, but they had to face off against the Ravens. They beat the Titans last week. Um, they beat the Bills, I believe. I forgot who else they beat. Yeah, we'll go look. It's... Giants, Broncos, Texans, Eagles, Browns, Titans, and the Ravens. Okay, and so then they go get to play the Cowboys next week. And then That'll the Bengals fun. and then the Jaguars. <laughs> they could go to 10 and 0 right now. Yeah, they could get to 10 and 0 and then they play the Ravens again after a 10 and 0. And then you got Washington, the Bills again, the Bengals, the Colts, and the Browns. I mean, 15 and 1 question mark. <laughs> the Colts beat them? Yeah. The Browns? That'd be they interesting. Beat them once maybe. I, I don't Not know. Not big trust this week. Not no. big trust. Big trust. And the weird trust. thing that you just mentioned, too, is like, you know, that the, the, the Claypool and Johnson thing, right? The, those were the next men up last week. Johnson got shut down this week. Claypool had 42 yards, so pretty good. But again, Juju was the guy today. Ebron was the guy. So if it's not one of them, it's the other. And they're doing a very, very good job of spreading the wealth, which a lot of the teams that are pretenders, I think, aren't doing really well. Yeah. You know? Um, with the 49ers, I think they are feeding Ayuk, and that's pretty much it. And when Debo, when he's healthy. Yeah, and when yeah. Debo Samuel's in, they feed him, and he gets hurt. Yeah. Um, they're pretenders. Okay. That's the bottom line. Um, I'm staying away from the Patriots. Fuck that. Oh, horrible. Horrible. Uh, and the Vikings, Packers, too. My God. We oh, talked about the Packers last week. The Packers were like, yeah, you know, they're back. They're really good. Uh, they laid an egg. Aaron Rodgers, again, um, another disappointing performance. I mean, he almost threw for 300 yards, which isn't bad, but his mistakes were far and beyond the reason why they lost this game. Yeah. That's so. also the defense, too. I mean. Oh, I mean, it's on the defense at the end of the day. but 
hate the Vikings. <laughs> Fuck the, the Vikings. Vikings. And it wasn't even like Justin Jefferson did well. It was just Dalvin Cook had three touchdowns. No, yeah. four, actually. Three, uh, like three. 200-something <laughs> total yeah. yards. It was insane. Yeah, he had three rushing touchdowns and one receiving. That is such bullshit. And like, really? <laughs> Come on, Kirk. You decide to be good now? Damn it. Actually, he wasn't even that good. 11 for 14. You like that? Yo, I, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't like that at all. 160 and one touchdown. Fuck you, Kirk Cousins. Nah, he deserves $40 million, though. <laughs> <laughs> you can't spell elite without Cousins. That's a fact. Or Flacco. And, oh, man. And uh, James Moss, Clubfoot Jim, put him on the bench yeah, he was on that accident. bench. No Dalvin Cook for Come James. Come on, man. Come on. That's bad. Um, so that's week eight in a nutshell. Week nine, hopefully, will uh, bring a little bit better. I think, you know, I'm looking through. I should have an interesting Thursday night game now. Two people that shit the bed this week, the 49ers and the Packers. So that'll be fun. Ravens-Colts is definitely going to be interesting. Um, I mean, Seahawks-Bills. We'll talk about that at some point. Um, but that's week nine. I think, did we hit all our sports? Yeah. I think we did. So now let's talk some baseball. We have Jess Kleinschmidt from NBC Sports. Great interview. We talk about um, how the World Series ended. We talk about her experiences covering the A's and a lot more. So without further ado, here is Jess Kleinschmidt. Y'all don't mind if I drink, right? I just got off work, so I need to <laughs> Hey, we love okay. it. We love it. I mean, it is called Beer's Business and Balls, so it's kind of expected, right? Wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. All right, everybody. With us this week, we have Jessica Kleinschmidt. She is from NBC Sports, the host of Balk Talk and the co-host of Corked Up, currently in the Bay Area in California. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are y'all doing? Can't complain. Can't complain. I'm not going to lie. I'd rather be in the Bay Area because it's (laughs) 25 degrees here in Providence and snowing. So, yeah, it's. I'm yeah, I'm I'm from Reno, so I'm we get all four seasons. So moving here, I'm like I have to be reminded what time of the year it is because it's like. I mean, this morning I didn't have to have my seat warmers on, but in the afternoon my AC was on. So it was a little weird, but yeah, I don't envy y'all at all. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> what's, what's the uh, temperature by you right now? Um, let's see. It's probably going to, I hope it's 69 degrees because that would be phenomenal. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> 70, how is, it's 73 degrees right now. Yeah, that sucks, y'all. Keep yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been all over the place. I know last week we were out to a couple breweries and it was like 65 70 and then today we had like four inches of snow yeah. so yeah but yeah, crazy like reno yeah <laughs> yeah so jessica we have a lot of questions for you um i guess first and foremost you know we'll start off give us a rundown on who jessica kleinschmidt is and tell us about your impressive resume <laughs> who is jessica kleinschmidt that's a tough question to answer i'm i'm kind of all over the place but um i think that's more of like a question to answer for my therapist as far as who I am. <laughs> um, but how I got here, the short version, I always joke that like maybe over a bottle of wine, I can tell y'all how exactly I got here because it was the fucking roller coaster, man. Like, <laughs> you know, just everything from being laid off to freelancing, which if you can survive freelancing, you can do anything in this industry. Um, but I've always wanted to do this. When I was 12, I actually played baseball and with the guys, I didn't know that softball for women was a thing. I had no idea. Um, and so I played that up until like my sophomore year of high school. Obviously, 
I, you have to like hit hundred mile an hour balls and like be totally a great athlete in order to make it an MLB. And I of course thought I was going to do that. Right. But I'm not going to be the first female MLB player. Turns out that's not going to happen. I love to talk and I love to write. So my dad was like, well, if you're going to try this, like do it, don't just half-ass it. Like at least give it, give it like all you got. So he took me to my first A's game, believe it or not, when I was 12. And that's when I fell in love with the A's and I looked over at my dad I was like hey I think I'm gonna just cover them one day and I actually got embarrassed one day we're sitting on the couch and I was like sorry he's like were you just watching the game and I was like yeah and you know it's fine he goes why are you embarrassed by that and to have a dad like that who just supported me and didn't want me to be too girly as long as I was happy he didn't care he was like just do what you want to do so I just kept writing and kept writing and I was actually working for the federal government which you know people are always like oh were you a spy and it's like that's not the only fucking government stop. <laughs> so no, I was working in public lands, kind of like Parks and Rec. I even had like a Ron Swanson boss, but like not as cool. Um, and I did that, but I it was a cushy job and it was great. But I was like, I need to like pursue this. I've always wanted to do it. So I literally quit my government job and pursued it. And after maybe two or three years of wanting to give up and doing what I needed to do, um, I got my first shot with MLB.com and it was funny because I was on the phone with one of my best friends, Melanie Newman. She's now play-by-play for the Orioles. And she was like, Jess, like, don't give up. And I was like, no, I'm done. Like I tried, I'm going to go back to the government. And on the other line was cut four from MLB.com offering me a job. And that's kind of where I got one of my big breaks. And um, so I did that. And it was probably the most fun I've ever had in a job. Like I got to write blogs with my friends and watch games it was such a dope gig. And then um, that's when NBC recruited me. And NBC, I think in a week, I will have my two year anniversary with them. Um, And they just, they brought me on. They wanted me to like sex up, not like in a girl perspective. I mean, like Fernando Tati sex up baseball, which is already sexy. You just need people to remind you, right? So that's what I did. And I've been there for two years and it's been insane because I wanted to be challenged. I could have stayed with baseball. I love baseball. It's the love of my life, but I like to cover the 49ers sometimes and the Warriors sometimes and do all that. So that's where I came. That's the, like the cute Jessica version. Like there is like weight gain and weight loss and bad skin and breakups and all the bullshit that you deal with, like going through transitions in life. So now I'm here and fucking it's amazing. And I thank God every day because sometimes you get wrapped up in the work, right? And you forget that it's a cool thing. And I prayed for this. And since I was 12 and my, you know, I have an amazing family, amazing support system. And now I'm here talking to you guys. So life is good. And we are, yeah, we're very happy because you, you are somebody that we've, although we're not A's fans, we're Yankees fans. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) I don't hate any fan base. Actually, there was a couple of fans that really meet a couple of Astros fans are pretty horrible to me during the playoffs, but yeah, sounds about right. Um, But we've, we've, you know, followed your content for a little bit and involved, you know, saw you on, you saw your writings on MLB, saw you on cut four, and then obviously with NBC sports. And then of course your other endeavors, which we'll talk about. Um, So you mentioned the A's, you know, what about the A's that really intrigued you about baseball or was it something else about baseball that really made you interested in the sport? 
I think it was just like my upbringing. I loved, I loved the game and I, I felt so comfortable at a baseball field. That's where we had our family dinners on Saturday, Sunday nights. We would, it'd be like a hot dog at the snack bar, but it's just like how we all like reconvened after a crazy week. And I am comfortable in, in the dugout. I'm comfortable in the clubhouse. I'm comfortable around a bunch of dudes half naked, I guess. I don't know, but um, it's just something that I've learned to, and I know the game really well. I played the game and that's something that not many women can say. And so, um, and I, it's still, my, my father, my father passed when I was 19. So it's definitely a way for me to still be attached to him as well. And um, he, like I said, never pushed me to play a, a sport. He's like, if you want to do it cool, that's fine. He was a big sports nut. So you, you think of like the dance mom mentality where he's like, you got to go play. He was just like, if you want to do it cool, if not, like you try. And so I just kind of turned it into a career and um, the A's particularly was the first MLB game that I remember when I was, I was born in Baltimore. So I went to Orioles games when I was a baby. I just don't remember them. Um, but I just fell in love with the A's because they're so, nobody takes them seriously and they surprise you. And that's what I emulate. I feel like people are always like, oh, who's this girl? She has cool tweets, but like, what does she do? And I'm like, I'll fucking show you. That's what I'll do. And oh, so absolutely. that's kind of what I liked about the A's. They were scrappy and you weren't expecting a lot from them, but they always surprised you and they were fun and they were unique. And you have Canseco with his half shirts and Mark McGuire hitting bombs and you embrace the steroid era and Ricky Henderson and all these things. And, and so that's what I really liked. And I also like the challenge of trying to get people to pay attention to the team because they just could give two shits about the A's. And I, did, I didn't want that for that team because there's so much talent on them on that team and great dudes and you know everything like that so to be able to like kind of have all of that and wrap it up in the bow and then still cover the Giants in the process which has been really cool just like a different organization and they've been great too and they're trying to Larry Bear who is the demographic and he's older than 55 he's white male once more bat flips and to hear that my mind's like hell yeah let's go so it's kind of cool to see them embracing the newness and I was also just never intimidated by wanting to embrace the fun and the different while still being able to teach you something about the game I don't want it to all be bat flips and cute babies like there's shit in analytics and, and stats you want to pay attention to too so once I found that balance and attached it to the A's which is the perfect team to kind of do that with created something really fun so I think you just said that you were 12 when you went to your first A's game do you remember anything do you remember like who pitched or what the score oh honey <laughs> I remember fucking everything so yeah. yeah it was right so we got there late um and the A's were always like very pro fans which was amazing so we got like um nosebleed seats if you will for 10 bucks a pop but those seats were sold out which is not something I'm used to saying for the A's but they were <laughs> And so the, the ticket people, they were like, well, we'll give you box seats, but for the same price. So we sat in box seats and we ended up paying more for the food than we did for the seats. And right when I sit down, Eric Chavez goes yard. And I'm like, who's this guy? And I look at the program, which weirdly there was a program on the ground. Um, and it turns out him and I shared a birthday, few years apart, of course, but we had, we had the same birthday and I found out Mark Kotze had a place in Reno and I was living in Reno at the time. And, um, I saw my first sports center top 10 play in person, like everything that you would want in a baseball game would happen. They were playing against the blue Jays and the A's would win. And I, it was actually also the money ball year. So it was like everything you could want. I was like, damn dude, like this is like so perfect. And so to know that it went full circle 
and now like watching Dallas Braden throw a perfect game. And now he's not only my colleague, but one of my friends and, and stuff like that was just like, I knew from the beginning, this was the journey I needed to take. So yeah, I remember, I can specifically remember the exact point Eric Chavez hitting a home run. And it was weird because when I was playing, I was playing first base, but I shifted to third base. So I was always looking at third baseman in, in baseball and Eric Chavez happened to be the guy who was hitting the bomb and, and all of that. And it was just, and then he ended up throwing out the first pitch during the same, the first season I covered the ace full time. So it was just, ugh, I get goosebumps thinking about it. So yeah, I remember everything and to get to relive that every time I go to a game. I mean, it's not happening as much anymore, but yeah, that's a really good question. People don't ask me that. So thank you yeah. for asking that. I'm intrigued by that because I, I think I was seven years old. And I remember every detail about my first Yankee game. So I figured, you know, someone that had that connection with baseball probably knew. By the way, you think Eric Chavez is going to get a manager job sometime soon? He's going to what? You think he's going to get a manager job sometime soon? I hope so. I, I, you know, I was, I actually had some insider info. I don't get a lot of it, but I, I he was very close with the angels and I was really looking wow. forward to that. Um, and like, I think Jabba Chamberlain was in talks of being a coach on that staff wow. too. And it, <laughs> that would have been like baller. Right. And, um, but I saw him a bunch when I lived in Reno, cause he was managing the triple A. So we're working on the triple A staff for the sack, the B's. Salt Lake City Bees. Yeah. And so I saw him and the guy doesn't age, dude. I'm like, you look like when I was 12, you're the same <laughs> guy. Like, how does that happen? So it was kind of cool, but that would, I, I, I hope so. I feel like he just, if he was stayed healthy, the dude would have just been a legend. He's, he is, he's legend in my mind, right? Like, damn, I have a freaking A's thing dedicated to him. Like, come on. So, but I, so I, I do think so. And I think he's the perfect balance of, he had the, ridiculous glove ability i'm a glove nerd i love defensive plays like you wouldn't believe way more than hitting um and then but he's also smart because he's played on teams like the a's and like the yankees and so he knows how everything works but i love the idea of him managing a team absolutely yeah he's a yankee in our heart sure. <laughs> exactly right yeah. it's like i often forget and like usually the they go they end their career with the a's if they're like a legend like frank thomas and you know yeah. you know Garcia Parra and those kind of guys and yeah, yeah. so it's either their babies on the team or they're getting ready to retire on these so either way but they eventually end up on the Yankees too so it's fine <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, Chappie, maybe Chapman will end up on the don't don't quote no. me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I would want him to be on the A's for the rest of time but the guy deserves a, a trillion dollar contract so I know the A's won't give that to him. So what's the the team that probably could? Probably the Yankees. Or or the Mets, that right? That's a rumor. That's me talking. That's just me. I have to forget that I'm not like I can't forget that I'm like a reporter now. I have responsibility. <laughs> I need to chill. Sure. No, totally. And on the flip side of that, so we talked about your first memory as in, you know, watching an A's game. What are one of your favorite memories covering the A's? Or it doesn't even have to be the A's. It could be a baseball game in general. You know, it was one of the more recent ones was, was I mentioned Dallas Braden. Um, I really struggle with quarantine and that has a lot to do with that. I'm I get so obsessed with my career because when, if you work in sports, it does become your life because sports news is 24 seven. So when I didn't think that baseball would happen, my life kind of fell apart. And the one person who just calmed me down was Dallas fucking Braden, dude. <laughs> so I had, we, NBC was blessed to turn into historic history type. You remember like ESPN classics, kind of like that. So we replayed Dallas Braden's perfect game. And the, it was the, you know, on mother's day and he, he lost his mother. So we have losing a parent in common 
and to know, and, and so I interviewed Dallas at home here. And this was when my background was shifted. And there was a picture of my dad of, in me in the background, just cause like, it was so quick. I had to hurry up and tape it. And he was talking about his, his late mother while my dad was in the background. And to know that I told my dad, like, I'm going to cover the A's one day and to have Dallas, who's like an A's staple, an A's legend. Oh, I just burped. During- <laughs> no oh, worries. You know it's busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is me. This is Jess and her element. And so that it was just like a really cool circle moment. So that was probably a huge one for me. And I think um, covering Mike Fires, uh, no hitter against you guys follow me enough to know I have a huge jo- Joey Votto affinity. And it was the- yeah, yeah, you got the license plate. We were going to mention yeah, it. Literally California license plate. Um, and so Joey Votto hit an almost homer, but of course you can't hit anything near Ramon Laureano. He's going to grab it. And to know that Mike Fires threw a no hitter against Joey Votto after I met him and interviewed him. And I was, I had the balls enough to be like, Joey, I'm a fan. I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I know I'm reporting, but like, you're great. I think he knew too. He's like, I think I know. I'm like, oh, is it that bad? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. Um, but it was like a cool, it was a cool moment for me. So that, that alone was really, really cool just to be there. And so half of the game I was covering it, but the other half, I got to be a fan and actually watched it. And um, just to watch, like watch no hitter in person is just I got to do it as a reporter and a fan. And that was really cool. So I think that one definitely stood out. But just to be able to be on the books to interview these guys and be ta- like, hey, you have to, we have a podcast recording with Jessica Kleinschmidt sitting by Marcus Simeon, Olson, Liam Hendricks, like all that stuff. And then, um, of course, AL Wildcard game was such a cool experience to cover. I interviewed MC Hammer randomly. Um, why not? Yeah, hey, why not? Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> move chappy <laughs> mc hammer's there don't block the vibe dude yeah, fair enough. I think, you know, yeah so like a rod was there and stuff and that was really cool because you know they don't they come out of the woodwork like for postseason shit but that was a really cool moment for me um for sure and then just to be able to start my own podcast with nbc sports was a really cool moment and even giant stuff. I covered the giants uh, when Mike Yastrzemski got his MLB debut. And it was funny because I was covering for the giants insider that day. And I was like, and it was when the giants were awful, but they were playing the diamondbacks and I have, you know, a background with the aces. So I was like, Oh, cool. I can see my little babies. And then Mike Yastrzemski got his call up and I was like, Oh, I actually have like responsibilities today. And that made me fall in love with Mike Yastrzemski because the guy is just phenomenal on and off the field. And um, I think I've interviewed him the most out of any player, which is really cool and just an amazing guy. So I've gotten to do some really cool things, but I think the number one was definitely the Dallas Braden kind of circle back and have my father attached to it. And to know that Dallas like helped me through quarantine and a lot of my anxiety and stuff was like really cool. Just before we talk about corked up and Bob talk and all that good stuff, I want to bring up a, a pretty important point now. Um, over the past few months in particular, we've seen a lot of women speak out about their experiences in sports, you know, whether it's as a journalist or a broadcaster, you know, uh, I'm a freelancer, I'm a broadcaster, PA announcer, and some of the most kick-ass people I've worked with in this industry are women. Um, that being said, there's not a lot of them, and they have been using their voices, uh, women collectively over the past six, seven, eight months to, to go to talk about the issues that they face in the sports world right now. So that being said, we do have a lot of women listeners actually. So if they're trying to break into this business, whether it's journalism, broadcasting, production, what advice do you give? So 
I, I give the, the same advice every single time and I tell them, don't do it. And I, the reason why I say it is because I want to see these women's reaction. I, like if, they, if they first, they're like, oh, I won't do it. I'm like, okay, you can't handle this. Yeah. Then if, if somebody's like, hey, Jess, fuck you. I'm going to do this. I'm like, all right, sweet cheeks. I'll buy us a drink, <laughs> sit down, let's talk. So it's, it's, it's a tough industry, but it's a possible industry. I often forget that I'm a girl and not from like a weird perspective, but I forget that there's the stereotype. There's the stigma there um, that has a lot to do with like, you want to call it big dick energy, whatever. Like I, I'm very confident. I don't have time for bullshit. So if I walk into a room and you think I'm like every time when I was at the beginning of my career, every time I'd walk into the press box, they would think I was a lost wife, not taking that away from the wives and the, the girlfriends and the spouses of the players, but why not ask me why I'm there? And I'm literally hang, I have a credential hanging from me and you're not even going to look at it. Like, I don't understand that. So the stereotypes are going to be there. The road's going to be bumpy. However, the road is possible. So I just get really pissed off at women who are constantly on Twitter bitching about the industry. It's like every time you're bitching, you could be creating content. You could be working. You could be booking a podcast guest. We all know it's shitty for women, but I need to get paid. I need to do my job. And I did not get this far by complaining. I got this far by doing my damn job. However, my DMs are going to be open for women who are dealing with the build, the bullshit and you need to speak up. More importantly, the people around them need to speak up. I was sexually harassed by the front office member in a minor league on a minor league team. And the best part was when I contacted the major league team, they believed me. They were like, we believe you, like, that's great. And that doesn't happen a lot. Right. So I've been so lucky. I've never been able to, I've never had all the, I've heard so many horror stories and I'm so lucky that I haven't dealt with that much, but it happens. But I also would rather, and you, I mean, I don't know how close y'all follow me, but I deal with so much, you know, misogyny online, like, and, and it's how I look and how I dress. Like, I'm not going to show up looking like shit to make a man feel comfortable. I want to look cute. If that means I'm going to wear kind of a short dress and makeup's going to look on point. That's not to make you comfortable. That's to make me feel comfortable. I yeah, work better right, yeah. look good. Hell look, yeah. feel good. Dion, like, that's not a fucking bullshit thing. I know a man said it, but women can emulate that too. So I'm not going to dumb myself down, water myself down so the men around me can feel comfortable. I also want them to know I'll respect them if they respect me. We know there's the stigma. We know there it's out there, but I'm just there to do my job. And if I do it better than you, don't get pissed off about it. it has nothing to do with my gender. Maybe I'm working hard because I've always had to work hard. I cannot, when I'm on set with Michael Morse, Michael Morse has a better MLB resume than me. I can never have a better MLB resume than Michael Morse. However, he will not be able to compare how I view it. We just look at it differently. I offer a different way than Morse. I offer it than, than maybe Bip Roberts or when I'm talking to Dallas or any of those guys. And so I, I, I guess the short answer is I'll tell them it's scary. You have to give up a lot of your social life. And it's different for a woman too. Like if I'm off work at one o'clock in the morning for a woman, that's weird, right? You know, and, and it's scary too. Like I've sometimes left the Coliseum at one o'clock in the morning. That shit's scary. That shit's scary. But luckily yeah. NBC's amazing enough where they'll let me call an Uber and they reimburse me. And there's so many people that have my back and they like some of the reporters will walk me to my car, everything like that. So it's not as scary as people might say. I'm not saying it doesn't get scary, 
but the industry sucks no matter what your gender is. It's going to be tough no matter what. But I'm always available um, to talk to women that are going through the things. But at the same time, we all have to work hard. And it's just, it's part, I'm not saying it's part of it. And there's, there's resources out there to help you. But I mean, especially the stuff that came out with the Washington football team recently, you're yeah, seeing these reports and it sucks. And you, there's nothing we can do to prevent them, but we also want to be better. So, you know, as a woman who has had my friends and my colleagues had my back when I was dealing with sexual harassment, that's such a rarity. And I hope more guys come forward and I hope there are more men out there who are willing to speak up about that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you do your job and work hard and you're nice to people, weird shit won't happen. Weird shit does happen, but a lot of it's just online. It's just some dude literally living in his mom's basement. Who like, yeah, and I'm not ugly. So I know you're full of shit, dude. So it's just like, and so yeah. a lot of it's just, you have to deal with it. But if you don't, I'm here for you. And I, and I tell that everybody, like, even if you're a stranger, I don't know who you are. Fucking email me because I know that sucks and I'll get it taken care of. No problem. No, appreciate you sharing that. And those are some incredible words. And, you know, that's why a lot of people do look up to you. And that's another question that I had. Is there anybody in the industry that you looked up to you or offered you similar words to, of advice to, uh, you know, not get over that hump, but kind of just like enter into the industry with your confidence and being able to, you know, be able to express yourself the way you do? So the confidence thing, believe it or not, it was, it, this is the silliest thing. And I talk about him all the time with Field Gates. Um, he always gets got dog at the beginning of his career he was getting dogged on for looking young right and he was just like Matt Berry's son if you will and I was just getting my ass handed to me on Twitter one day and I I eat I think I Instagram message field and I was like field like dude what the fuck I don't want to do this anymore he was like and he goes just he goes you're a superstar just be yourself and I'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) all right but it was the best advice I could get because there's Katie Nolan's in the world. There's Sarah Spain's in the world. They do a great job being themselves. Why not be the first Jess Kleinschmidt, right? So him telling me to be myself was so important to me because I, I think we all struggle at a certain por- point in our life where we don't know what we want to do with our lives or who we want to be. And we see all these amazing people and social media has fucked it up so bad because, you know, I they see people like skinny ass bitches posing with their hot boyfriends we don't really know what's going on there come on so it's stuff like that and I didn't want to emulate anybody but myself so I finally got confident enough and I was like okay cool like let me do this and once I started being myself and even if it was raunchy or intense I was fine and um so it was Melanie Newman who really helped me and we've helped each other a lot too and when she made her major league debut this year being the first female Orioles play-by-play broadcaster she texted me and said today happened because of you and she doesn't realize how much my career happened because of her and you know I told her I was ready to give up and she's like absolutely not and so when she was ready to give up I told her absolutely not and that's when the Orioles called her so it's just stuff like that so up until recently I didn't have many strong women in my life it was just it was all men I didn't realize women were going to be helping women so definitely that and then uh, MJ Acosta from NFL Network she's just great um, she tells it like it is um, and of course Danny Wexelman from LB Network has been great too so just 
a lot of it, like they're there for me, but it was a lot about just finding out who I am and what I wanted to emulate. And a lot of the men in my life are great too, like Will Carroll and all the guys at NBC Sports and Rachel Luba has been phenomenal too. And um, she's trying to do more media stuff and I've helped her, but she's taught me so much too about like working with in the industry and stuff like that. So I've been so lucky. So if I left anybody off, I hope I didn't, but I feel like it's like one of those accepted speeches. Like, you know, you're going to leave somebody off, but we and like God, no worries. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's a good transition point because we wanted to talk about, um, Another person that is, you know, important in your life and a star in the industry is Rachel Luba. How did you guys get connected? And of course, tell us the story on how you created this podcast, Corked Up. It's actually the coolest story. So um, I I read an interview about her and I was like, this girl's freaking great. And so I followed her on Twitter. I didn't barely follow her and she follows me back. And she was like, hey, so Trevor is a big fan of your work. And I'm like, Trevor who? She's like, Trevor Bauer. I'm like, fuck you, Rachel. Like, what are you <laughs> like Trevor Bauer is a fan of my work. Like, stop it. So she invited me to be on Trevor's podcast when I was going to um, spring training this last one in February, even though it feels like five years ago. And um, she's like, come by the Momentum House and like, he'll have you on the podcast. I was like, cool. So I'm planning my trip and then I get a message from her. She's like, well, hey, actually the guys want me to start a podcast. And I was like, I don't know why you're telling me this. Cool. Like, congrats. Like, I don't know. And she's like, well, I need somebody to like, kind of help me host it. I'm like the worst with these things. Like on my wedding day, if I ever get married, if the guy was like, wants to marry me, I'd be like, wait, are you into me? Like, I'm so oblivious. (laughs) So like, Rachel was like, no, I like, we want to try you out to host it. I was like, oh, right. Okay. So, um, it was like kind of an audition and stuff. And we, the moment I met her in person, because social media is weird, right? Like I, some of my best friends have actually never met in person because of sports media, but right as I walk in, we have like, we we're, we're hanging out and then we were just going to talk for 30 minutes and just riff. Um, and it ended up being a three hour conversation. Oh. Mind you, we're drinking wine at the time. So we're kind of plastered, but it's cool. <laughs> and like Trevor's watching all this go down. Like they have really good chemistry. And I'm like, thanks Trevor. <laughs> like hammered. And, um, and so we just like hit it off and it wasn't just all sports and stuff. Like I'm really good at like conversing with people, but she, and this is her words. She gets very intimate, like kind of self-conscious about the way that her voice sounds. And so I went through that phase when I first got in media too. So I just, you know, she needs the, the transitional stuff. Cause she's so knowledgeable and she'll go on these rants and roles. And, and I kind of need to be there to kind of be like, Hey, so like explain this and that, because you know, a lot of people are, need to be explained things, especially with agency stuff. Like I'm still learning from her. And so a podcast was born and, um, it's so unique and different because I learned from her. She learns from me. Um, it's two women working in the industry and baseball and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that people like want to be injected in their veins. They love that stuff. And I also have just a I'm not intimidated by anything either. Like if I want a guy to come on, it's not a big deal. And Trevor, of course, has all his connections and, and he, I really like him as a pitcher, but I love him as a media content person. And, um, to know that we have that in common was really cool too. So, and just like to see how he's working free agency has been really fun too. And all of that. So that's how that was born. And, and it just, she's just an amazing human being too. And I, I think I work hard, but like, she makes me look like I don't do shit. So I I love women like that. And she's also just like not jealous or envious or anything like that. She's just 
we're friends, we're really good friends and we have a good podcast and we learn from each other. And I feel like that's what makes a really good, not just friendship, but like a good podcast as well. So that's how that was born. And it's over a glass of wine too, it's or a bottle. Or a bottle. Yeah, or a bottle. yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe a bottle and a half too. Yeah, depends. <laughs> like if we're talking Trevor and free agency, I have to drink a bottle because it's just like, I don't know what he's going to tweet next. You know? yeah. like, Yankees, 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 Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you, rumor has it if you play back uh, one of the episodes, he's uh, like backwards. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah, right, he's, right, right, right. And, yeah. We're praying. Uh, I can't comment. Speaking of podcasts, though, obviously we want to talk about Mock Talk, which is your show. Um, now, you have some pretty impressive guests on here as well. Like, I'm going to go back and listen to the Java Chamberlain episode for sure. Um, a lot of these guys, like Scott Hatterberg. Um, few of the guys recently, I think Liam Hendricks uh, and Chappie were both on, but I mean, talk to us about the, um, the, the inspiration behind Bok Talk kind of, was this just something out of passion or was there more to the story here? Yeah. So um, when NBC recruited me, they were, I had a small show with cut four called infinite Jess. And it was just me in my room talking on the camera, talking about cool shit in sports and they loved it. So they wanted to transition that over to NBC. Um, but I, I wanted to go underneath the guy's Jersey, like what's going on in here. And when I, when I look at the sport, like, what am I thinking of as a fan? And, um, I thank you for saying that I got a lot of good guests because I booked all of those pretty much by myself. And wow. so that's, what's cool too. Um, and Java is just a, a dear friend. And I feel like he just holds one of the most iconic moments with the gnats you know or the nits or whatever the fuck they're called but he's just and he's just he's a good guy and I want people to know that and I want I want people to not look at these guys as numbers on their fantasy team or just how are they going to do as far as like what like oh their velocity was down like let's talk about why their velocity was down or what do they geek out over are they pumped on exit velocity or their spin rate like I want to know why um and all of that so I've just always obviously love talking but I also just like to think outside the box and just like feel like it's like two bros talking with the beer even like not just my podcast and my articles too like when I became the A's main reporter for NBC like they they told me like yeah you have to be good but we want you to be Jess and it's so difficult to find the balance of being funny and snarky but also being a reporter because you can't be like bullshitting with AJ Puck's you know surgery you have to be careful but you also have to, I want to be myself. I don't want people to be like, oh, like, you know, cause sometimes my mom will see me on TV and she's like, you sounded ridiculous. You sounded like a robot. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, AJ Puck underwent surgery. That sucks. Like I can't <laughs> about it. Like I have to be real, but she was right. Like, I don't want to sell my soul for this. And you see that a lot. People are trying to like emulate x y and z when they won't be themselves so it's actually been a really fun challenge for me but i just i love talking and i want to use my platform for good and just you know let the guys have their moment to shine too and get them to have more eyes on the game and understand because my favorite moment is when i'm sitting with a non-baseball friend of mine and mark canna's up at bat and they'll be like and I'm like, no, let me tell you about the story. Mark Canna went signed a potato and they'll be like, what? I'm like, let me tell you. <laughs> and so just stuff like that. Like I can make the most boring baseball game fun. If I will give you a nugget and it'll be fun. And that's what I wanted to do with the podcast. And I wanted people to like, feel like we're hanging out and 
come into my weirdly my bedroom, <laughs> um, you know, just stuff like that. And I feel like it's, there's so much responsibility to it because everybody has a podcast now, no offense, but everybody has a fucking podcast. Yeah. Now. yeah. <laughs> like ever, ever since quarantine, it's like, Oh my God, let's do a podcast. I'm like, um, hey. talk about carrots. Cool. Let's do it. Like, so yeah. I just, I yeah. just <laughs> different and I, and, and all of that. And yeah, just have fun in the process and, you know, f- figure out weird stuff. Like I Buck Showalter tell me about the time that he intentionally walked Barry Bonds with the bases loaded. I was like, yeah. give me that tea, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And I love, I just love listening to people's stories and talking to them. And I, I date a lot too. So that helps. It just feels like I'm on a date, but like with a married baseball player kind of thing. Never mind. We get it. No, we get it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like that. I, I love learning about people and learning their backgrounds and learning about them and what they, t- what, what makes them tick. And if I can get content out of that, cool. So. Absolutely. So let's dive into the season. Uh, what were your thoughts on how the world series ended? And did you have any predictions on the world series or who might've made it to the world series? You know, when the playoffs started, like, did you see this matchup taking place? Like, after I chugged one of these, like mom would have been like, Padres ace, let's fucking go. <laughs> like, you know, but because that would have been a sexy as fuck World Series, dude. Like Fernando Tatis, Ramon Laureano getting pissed off. Like, let's let's do that. Um, but I weirdly enough am glad the Dodgers won. This is my theory, because it, I'm not saying that the race shouldn't have won. They definitely deserve to be there. But if it was a team that like the Marlins or something. I was worried that people would look at the season like it's a fucking joke. Like, oh, they're good for a 60 game season. Like nobody can argue the Dodgers didn't deserve the World Series, right? Um, so I, I, it was weird. It did not feel like a World Series at all, at all. Um, and maybe it's because I wasn't doing a lot of coverage because I'm used to being right in there. And obviously NBC wasn't doing a lot of coverage, but um, so, but my prediction and I'm, I'm always a girl who like pussies out. I'm like, I don't want to do the prediction because like I suck at betting and unless like we're betting a Starbucks, like I'm down for that, but it's just, I freak out with, with, you know, predictions and stuff. But, um, I, I really liked, I, I think at one point I thought it would be reds and A's. I thought that would be a really cool, uh, world series for the same thing. Like it'd be weird, but then I'd be like, well, cause I feel like the Reds had a better, had a really good chance. I really, really do. That's not me sucking up to Trevor. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Joey Votto, Joey Votto. That's so weird. <laughs> Reds. Um, yeah. I think I put Trevor down for my Cy Young too. I was like, I'm really milking him, aren't I? Um, but so it was just kind of like from that, that perspective, but I, I'm gl- I, like they hand MLB handled it beautifully. It was just, it was, it just felt weird, you know, like to go from me covering it from home and seeing no fans in the stands to there's fans and it's, it's just different. There was not a lot of hoopla because my goal in life, gentlemen, for my career, I want to be in a sexy ass dress on the red carpet, interviewing fucking Clayton Kershaw during the all-star. That's a pretty damn good goal. That's my goal, dude. And I hope I can do that. And the fact that I didn't see the red carpet and all that hoopla really bummed me out. I live for the home run derby because I love sometimes chicks dig the long ball. But what I love even more is like little babies on the outside of the foul lines, just walking around with like Gatorades and towels and stuff. That's the stuff that I love. And 
guys love the competition. So, you know, they're jacking the jacking those bombs and it's good. So I was really bummed that didn't happen, but it just is what it is. So I missed the hoopla and all that. And it just didn't feel like a world series, but I'm, I am at the end of the day, pretty glad the Dodgers won. However, Blake Snell shouldn't have been pulled, but we agree. We agree. I mean, we, we, we had actually Yankees Cubs when we talked about, you know, the playoff brackets in the beginnings, um, just the way we're, we're looking at the matchups. We're looking at what, what, what led up to those brackets. And that's when we saw, and then the Marlins. Yeah. 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 You're like, okay, relax, like relax. But then you're like, oh shit. They're like doing it. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> And then when we had the World Series bracket, the actual World Series Dodgers raise, I said Dodgers in four. No, you said Dodgers in four. I said Dodgers in five. I, I said Dodgers in five. And then when it got to game six, I'm like, they have to close it out today unless the Rays like pull it out. And Kevin Cash blew that game for them. Yeah. And I wanted a game seven because yeah. mama doesn't like things. And that's why I like the universal DH. I, I like it too. I like okay, it cool. too. Yeah, no, yeah. it's like I, I like extend careers because I want Joey Votto playing until he's dead. You know, and I want Chris Davis to play better yeah. and then until he's dead. You know, like it's it's an interesting so. thought too, because the, the whole thing with guys like that, the power hitters, especially the lefties that were, you know, on the bigger side, it was like, all right, they're gonna go spend their last couple of years in an AL team, and now that's gone, right? So that's really cool thought. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well, we will have to see. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're going to get there. Um, I, before we kind of wrap up here, I, I do want to get your thoughts on the, the Bosch play in center field, obviously in game, uh, what was that game four, right? I don't even remember, but the double error. Yeah. Basically the double error. Um, the which, which, stole which, which play? So, that was, so Chris Taylor bobbled it. Uh, that was a Rosarino was stuck in between the bases and he finally scored and they called him second Buckner. Um, I don't know. Do we even go that route? We don't have to. <laughs> I'm a little upset. Um, Game four, Dodgers were up. Uh, Jansen blew the save. Is it two runs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the only thing that I got upset about was reading Jansen's comments on his Instagram. Um, so he'd like cut off the comments for his last. This is, I'm so crazy. I'm gonna. I'm typical woman. I know how to stalk on Instagram, <laughs> but. Um, I call it investigative journalism. I can actually call it that. So the last two posts on his Instagram, he turned the comments off, but the one before it was like something from like May or something. I don't even know. People were commenting after that. So like, I get it. Things happen. Like, but the way it was just, yeah. So whatever shit happens, baseball's fucking weird, but we're not, let's not threaten people's lives. Like let's, that man has a family and I get so mad when I see these guys who peaked playing JV baseball talking <laughs> shit to guys that get paid to do this for a living. And I can talk shit because I think I peaked at JV baseball too. So it's fine. Um, but it's just, it gets me so mad. So that's that. I'm sorry. I turned it on that, but the whole situation was shitty, but you're going to add on to it. Like yeah, I, I just feel like it's such a unique scenario. Like I fuck up constantly. I make typos in my articles. I, I just, I'm sometimes not a great best friend. I'm sometimes a crappy sister. I'm sometimes a really bad daughter. Like, damn, dude, to be like a crap, like be bad at your job, but it's like, it's like out there, it's public. 
that sucks too, dude. Like people always see us fuck up, but if you're a nine to five guy working in your cubicle, talking to Jim on your aim or whatever they <laughs> black or whatever, like you don't understand. So I think just seeing the backlash is what pissed me off to the point where I forgot what the, the play was about because it was just like, come on guys. Like, but obviously, you know, jokes on him because they end up winning the whole thing but yeah it was a it was it was not great but i like that stuff i like the stuff that we can say like what if you know mm-hmm. they, they're compared to the buckner play or they're comparing it to the gibson stuff or they're comparing it to like what if and you're sitting there like damn because we don't even know what would happen if blake snell stayed in we don't yeah. know and yeah. stuff like that and same with the wild card from last year should we have started Jesus Lazardo? Should we have started Mike Fire? Seeing Shamanaya not eat his steak and his uh, pasta after the game and staring off into space, that changed me as a woman. He felt like he lost the entire game. And so after that, um, I just, if they fuck up a game, they fuck up a game. They know they screwed up. They don't need to re- be reminded by anonymous accounts on fucking Instagram. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. So heading into the off season, do you have any bold predictions? I'm so sorry, guys. No, what? like a total girl rant. No, we love. That's what we love. That's what we love. So, but do you have any off season predictions? I wish I did. It's just going to be so unique, and I feel I hear that a lot of teams are going to tighten their budgets a little bit, but like the guys the big names, the Bowers, the LeMayhews, the Springers, they're going to get paid. Um, but I don't know if there's going to be longevity attached to some of these contracts because it's such a unique off season. Um, so I know Trevor, the uh, like the Trevors of the world, he originally wanted a one-year contract. Rachel did go public and say, we're open to listening to many types of contracts. So it's going to be interesting because I feel like Springer, he's probably my favorite. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. I'd love to him for, he's my favorite player on the Astros for sure. Um, They would be stupid to let him go and they have the money to do it, but it's a weird season. So I have no idea. And and we have to think about everything we have to look about for 2021. We don't know the DH situation, if they're going to continue with that. We don't know if there's going to be fans back at certain ballparks. And that's a huge factor too. Um, I, cause I, I weirdly enough was looking forward to fire starting against the Astros during the season. That would have been a cool career moment for me selfishly. Like, Oh yeah, we know they're going to boo you, but get out there. Cause I really want to watch this. Like it's <laughs> fucked up dude, but I really wanted to watch it. So just stuff from that perspective. But, um, I, I wish I had a good answer. I don't know. I think it's going to, I, one executive said to Robert Murray, um, it's going to be a bloodbath. And I don't know a hundred percent what that means. I don't know if that means we're going to be fighting over a certain thing. I'm hoping players don't have to settle at all, like for certain yeah. amounts they don't deserve. Um, and then a lot of the guys that are being, you know, um, optioned are kind of surprising too. So I, it's going to be unique. Um, I'm just going to be covering it from here. And like, I, I joked on Twitter, I was like, y'all are going to hear my next door neighbor's lawnmower go off while I'm oh, about some of these transactions, but it'll be unique. And um, I'm bummed though. Cause I, I love winter meetings and it's so much fun and, and all of that, but I wish I had a better answer for you. No worries. Yeah. And we were talking about this earlier today. It's like, you know, I remember two years ago, it's like you have the guys like Machado and Harper that got extended all the way until, was it, I think it was spring training. It might've been a little bit before yeah, or after spring training. Like, 
yeah, like they were playing and the, and they got signed, but like, that was my first year with NBC and giants, you know, bridesmaids per usual. So I was free. I was like pacing. That was the coolest off season. Cause I knew the giants wanted him, but. And then you have last year where it's like, okay, winter meetings came and like Garrett Cole's off the table, Rendon's off the table. Strasburg was already even off the table before yeah. that. So it's like, could be a combination of both. Do you think the A's will bring back Liam Hendricks and Mike Fires, one or the other? Neither. Ask me about Simeon. Simeon too. Yeah. Simeon too. The Simeon is the number one. I'm just drinking because I'm really upset if they don't bring back Simeon. <laughs> Cheers to you. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. So I, I've never met a man like Marcus Simeon. Uh, well, I have, but I've met him. But I never. He just blows my mind. Like. The Emmy, he emulates everything you could want in a player. And this is me thinking too much into it. I feel like his dip in 2020 will make a better case to bring him back because it's going to lower his value, unfortunately, but he's a Bay Area native, um, but he wants multiple years and they're worth it. Chris Davis perhaps started that trend. Mike Fires got a two-year deal. That was kind of rare, um, but I, I, I hope they bring back Simeon. I really think they're going to bring back Listella as well. I have a gut feeling that they will because Billy Bean was very open and he's not open. Front office guys are going to be like, oh, we want to bring him back. Um, you compared like how he talks compared to like the Farhan Zaidis of the world. Billy Bean straight up said, I shouldn't say this, but bringing back Listella is a priority of ours, which is good. It'll take care of that second base option. Uh, but Marcus Simeon is a Bay Area native. Um, he just, I can't imagine him being in anything but green and gold. However, if anybody else brings him more money, I feel like he's the type of guy who would think about it, which is kind of cool. I feel like he's the loyalty type, which you don't see in baseball, right? And he's also in his, you know, he's older where he could retire at his hometown. And that's the perfect time. Uh, Liam Hendricks, I doubt he'll be back with the A's. They're going to give him, somebody's going to give him a shit ton of money. He deserves it. Um, a sub one eight ERA, uh, one eight ERA last year, one seven eight this year. Uh, the guy's it's ridiculous. Selfishly, I hope he stays. He's a fucking amazing interview. But if and d- being DFA'd multiple times, coming back from that, and just being a damn good human. Ugh. But if he if he doesn't come back, I will not be surprised. So I'm hoping Simeon, hoping Lestella fires. Actually, I don't I don't hate that they would bring him back. I feel like he is not worth a lot, but he's maintained he's maintained a career for over a decade working on these secondary pitches, which is really cool. And I feel like he emulates what the A's want, but the A's really and they won't. They need to go out and get a most <laughs> stellar ace, yeah, uh, to lift him up because Manaya and Montes didn't quite step up to the. I can't say step up to the plate, step up to the mound. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I hope so. But it's gonna, there's a lot of arbitration eligible players. Um, use Mira Petit. If that guy goes anywhere else, man, the A's had so many good players. Yeah. It was just such a cool season, man. I wish they had 162 because that would have been dope to watch them, but just is what it is. So I'm hoping Marcus Simon, hoping Lestella. I doubt with Hendricks, though. Do you have a dream free agent or not necessarily a dream free agent, but is there anybody on this year's market that you'd be like, I'd love to see him as an Oakland A? There isn't one guy that I don't feel that way about. Okay. I, feel like I just want them to make a huge splash. Like I want them to do something crazy. You know, like if you're at a bar and you are like, I don't have a chance with that guy, but I'm going to go talk to him. 
go fucking talk to him, dude. Hey, yeah. go talk to the 10. Go talk to the 10. He may turn you down, but go try. Like with the Giants, they always go to try for the John Carlos Stans and the Bryce Harpers of the world. They get turned down, but it's confidence boost, right? I want Billy B to be like, hey, we tried to get Trevor Bauer, but fuck me, right? Like, like <laughs> yeah. what's that conversation? So I think I feel like it needs to be a starting pitcher. Strowman would be kind of cool. I kind of love that idea. Um, I never thought about Strowman to the A's. It's yeah. interesting. I I mean I just love him to Reese's pieces. I would just love I just love that he's so positive and like just different. And I love that he like uses his platform so well. Um, Trevor Bauer, like I even wrote my dream players. And I wrote Trevor Bauer on there, and all, all I wrote was LOL, keep dreaming <laughs> article. Um, but like, I doubt that's going to happen, but I mean, I don't know how the A's work their front office. I don't know like how often they put the feelers out, but so I'd probably say maybe like a Marcus Stroman or even Tanaka was kind of interesting to think about. Um, don't take him away from us. Yeah. Well, I know, but I really think that if they, if the Yankees offered him a, a, a QO, he would accept it. So, so mm-hmm. that's kind of like from that perspective. Um, and you would know that if you've read my articles, um, but <laughs> Yeah. So probably I, I'm going to say like something like a strong, it needs to be a starting pitcher. Like I, but I yeah. want to, I want it to be a, like a crazy guy to think about, like even Gossman, like, fuck it, dude. Like, let's go crazy. So it, that that's their main need. Cause I talked to Bob Melvin had he ended the last season and he's with the team for a decade. And he said, this squad was the most excited he was. And because of their pitching, they had such good pitching puck had a lot of setbacks. And I told you Montes and Manaya did not, become the guy Montes was like supposed to be a Cy Young candidate that's what he was supposed to be and Lazardo of course had a setback um and all of that but he needs a little bit more thing so they have so much potential for the first time in a long time and they've actually been together for three years which is not something you're used to saying with the A's you would walk in the clubhouse and be like I like know all these guys this is so rare so I yeah start good starting pitcher fuck it up get crazy and then we can maybe people won't make fun of the A's so much Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's going to be a loaded offseason. I, I already know that. But um, all right, Jess, we're, as we start to wrap up here, we're a beer podcast. We ask all of our guests usually what their favorite craft beer is. But I don't feel like it's right uh, knowing that you own or have and host a wine podcast. So it's. Uh, I've been known to drink vodka on that podcast, just slightly. <laughs> well, after the A's finished their wild card series mama was drinking bourbon i was not gonna drink wine i was like liam would make fun of me like the guys would be like jessica you're drinking wine like you're right sorry (laughs) hammer down the bourbon yeah yeah nuts so let's frame it this way it's your drink of choice after a long day of work you're drinking i think it's a seltzer right now what are you reaching for um i do like my vodka sodas because i'm a basic white girl um but and i feel like with wine I like wine, but I have to stop at two glasses or else like I can't work out in the morning. And if I do work out, I'm literally just walking in, tagging myself on Facebook and leaving. That's like, all <laughs> so, but I'm a vodka soda girl. Um, I'm super into Pinot Noirs though, wine wise. Nice. Um, but I like beers I actually had, do you guys know FP Santangelo? No, do not know. So he played, he's um, a former player. He played for the A's and stuff. His son is one of my producers at NBC sports oh. Bay area. And obviously a great baseball mind because he was raised in a clubhouse but we went we go to this beer place it's one of those where you have like the beer menu yeah. and i'm like a wheat girl so like the blue moon types and the best part is 
I, except I think I'm doing them easier. I'm like, hey, just like give me something like a wheat beer. I like make their jobs more difficult because they're like, <laughs> okay, can you just point? I was like, no, I, I don't know what I'm doing. But I do like the wheat beers and like all of that, but I'm a Pinot Noir girl, vodka soda or the wheat beers. So. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. This was Jessica Kleinschmidt. Before we close out, where can our listeners follow along your content and follow along on social media as well? I mean, if you still want to follow me after this disaster, just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm at Kleinschmidt JD on Twitter, uh, Jessica Kleinschmidt on Instagram. I post all of my work there. I even have a Facebook business page with my, which my mom accidentally will sometimes message me on. And, but so I have a Facebook page with that too, but all of my stuff is very well known on the social media. And I thank you guys for letting me come on. This is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. I know. Beers Business and Balls is a very wide world, right? So it encompasses a lot of topics. But I think we I did a roller coaster of emotions today, but it's cool. It's perfect. This is, this is the content we need. Trust us. But um, ladies and gentlemen, Jess Kleinschmidt, go listen to Corked Up with Rachel Luba and Jess um, and also go listen to Bok Talk. Are those both available Apple Podcasts and Spotify? All the things everywhere. And YouTube, um, Momentum's really big with us on, on the YouTube, the YouTube, my 80, <laughs> um, on YouTube and all of that. Um, but everywhere, like I, I'm constantly pushing out content. Um, and the, the beauty is, is in OC off season, both Bok Talk and Corked Up will still be, we'll still be doing stuff. So that's Love good. That. Go and follow Corked Up on Instagram too. That's Cork, just how you spell it with a D and then up. And simple enough there. Um, Jess Kleinschmidt, thank you so much. Been a real pleasure. We hope to have you back soon. You guys are wonderful. Thanks. Thank you. And that was just Jess Kleinschmidt talking baseball, all things about free agency, her life, her resume. Great, great interview. It was fun to talk to her. We thank her for coming on. And yeah, I mean, she was awesome. A lot of good stuff. You know, love hearing her story about her time in the Oakland A's, you know, being a you know, pioneer for women in the industry as well. Overall, great conversation. And I am very looking forward to off-season baseball because, like we mentioned, it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, hopefully uh, by the time this drops, I hope Trevor Bauer doesn't sign with the team. But, hey, maybe it'll be the Yanks. Who knows? I mean, free agency <laughs> did start a few hours ago as we're recording. And I don't know. I mean, we talked about it before. It's like two years ago, you have guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado waited out until February, March. Yep. And then last year, you had guys like Garrett Cole, Rendon, Strasburg all signed before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then you had Puig, who never ended up on a team. And yeah. You know? And he, well, he was going to sign with the Braves, and then he got COVID. He's like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, positivity corner. Do we want to roll with this? Cool. All right. We're rolling with it. Uh, I found something good. I saw um, in the... That was the one I had before my phone died. <laughs> so <laughs> right. we're on the same page. There we go. I love that. Um, this is about a guy who donated his entire baseball collection to a nine-year-old girl who lost hers in a wildfire. 25,000 baseball cards. Um, nine-year-old Reese Osterberg and her family, they lost their home in the Creek Fires out in California. And Reese, uh, from what we're seeing on Good News Network here, she had a, I think it looks like 100 cards um, she had been collecting since she was six years old. And they unfortunately went up in flames with the house, just horrible. Um, Fresno County fire crew heard about it. They decided to do something. And they spread the word on Facebook to see you know who out there would be willing to donate some baseball cards and... They found someone to do it. It was a man by the name of Kevin Ashford from San Jose. 
And he said uh, from NBC Bay Area, which Jess Kleinschmidt, uh, you know, is obviously a member of. He said, I got to thinking about what I had in the garage. I thought, you know, what if instead of selling them on eBay, I'm going to donate them. I'm going to donate them all and put a smile on somebody's face. So this guy had 25,000 cards. He'd been collecting them since the 1990s. Um, this is another feel-good story. I feel like we've got a ton of them pumping out where, I mean, this is awesome. This is really, really cool. It's always nice to, uh, to put a smile on somebody's face, especially after they've lost everything. Absolutely. I and mean, the stuff going on in California and... You know, with all these wildfires, it's very tragic, you know, fortunately, that it was just the material items that her and her family lost and not physical people. Um, but, you know, great story coming out of California, and we're always happy to highlight those. Cool. Yeah. And Positivity Corner is going to keep on coming. Um, that's our show, folks. That is episode 29. We're one away from episode 30. We have some awesome, awesome guests over the next, I think, what, six or seven episodes coming out? We've either recorded them or will be recording them in the next couple of days. So you're in for a real treat. We're close to college basketball. Um, so that's going to be coming soon. And then we've got some beer people, some business people, some CEOs, really cool stuff. Do uh, you have any final words, Ben? Anything you want to get I, out to the listeners? Nothing I want to get out to the world. Um, I appreciate you guys letting me in, film in studio, mm. record in studio with you guys. Um, this is my fourth favorite podcast. I love what you guys are doing. So <laughs> you keep up the wonderful. Get out. Right. <laughs> At least you're not lying. No, of course. There are better ones out there. <laughs> wow. No, I'm just kidding. Horrible. Stamp of <laughs> approval is no longer. Uh, ben, when can our, or where can our listeners find you on social media? Or do you want them to? Um, sure. I'm private. Don't know if I'll accept you. But um, <laughs> my Instagram is at Bennett Allen. Um, I post nothing about beer, business, or balls. So follow me. If you Excellent want to see marketing. A post once a year. <laughs> oh man! Any final words from you? No, no. I was just thinking because we watched uh, that's my boy yesterday, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Vanilla Ice was on, and Ben is a killer on karaoke with Ice Ice Baby. So I was just thinking about Donnie fucking Burger. Donnie fucking Burger. <laughs> Vanilla Ice, but we're at the witching hour of the show, so that's all. That's all she wrote. If you made it this far, you're a real one for Make sure. Karaoke be... bars better. Bring, <laughs> bring them back open. Uh, you know where to find us on social, folks, and we will be dropping content, weekly recaps from real fans on football. Again, dugoutcreative.com. Get yourself a hoodie today. 15% off with code BBBPOD. That's Ben. That's Will. I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. See ya.